The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Rainy Wednesday edition of the Leach Report coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shop. Coming up today, we'll talk with Chris Fisher, the Cats boss, and uh, got a big recruiting story to follow there with Chris Livingston, set to make his announcement tonight. And then Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com, always joins us in the second half of the show on Wednesdays. And lots to talk about there, including uh, his story on uh, Will Levis, latest one that he did for The Athletic, and some uh, other things we're going to tell you about here in just a second from other writers at The Athletic that uh, will, you will want to take note of. But let's get to our Wildcat news of the day, and that is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Liam Cohen yesterday was at the podium for the post-practice interview to talk about what their focal point is this week, and he said it is ball security. They put in some extra drills yesterday, cut down on the uh, turnovers, in particular the fumbles. They've had a couple of interceptions, uh, one in each game off deflected passes, and uh, he talked about what uh, led to that, and um, they think that's something that's uh, certainly fixable. And then Got to do a better job of hanging on to the football. But it's not something that uh, Chris Rodriguez is going to get into the doghouse for. Cohen talked about what his mindset is with a player like that that has already proven himself like C-Rod. And Cohen says, look, they don't bench me when I make some bad play calls. Um, we're going to uh, work through this with uh, with Chris and anybody else. Here's what Coach Cohen had to say about that. At the end of the day, we're all going to make some bad calls, bad decisions, bad plays, and I truly believe on game day it's my responsibility and our job as coaches to act more as caddies, you know, and just, hey, let's keep playing. we got to keep our best players positive and keep them upbeat, and um, that was the goal there. He he had a high hand. He was doing a great job all game. He just had a couple bad plays. And I like that attitude. Uh, I think when it comes to uh, injuries, uh, once the season starts, uh, you don't have a lot of uh, heavy hitting in practice because you want to get your best players to Saturday. And this is a kind of a, a, a twist on that. Once you get your best players to Saturday, you want to keep them positive. If there's something you can need to get on them about, uh, a lot of that can be done maybe in the meeting room the next week or in a film review. But once you're in the game – you want to keep them as positive as you can and as confident in themselves and uh, then fix mistakes uh, between the Saturdays. So like that attitude from Coach Cohen. I mentioned some stories in The Athletic, and one is a writer that uh, did, the, uh, did an SEC takeaways column, just hitting several points around the league, and there's one of the subtitles that says Kentucky is going to be a force, and it's because of Kentucky's offensive firepower that the writer is making that case for the Wildcats. Also, uh, yesterday, Peter Burns of the SEC Network uh, put out a tweet where he had Kentucky's uh, coaching job ranked in his top ten. Well, the Athletic took four of their college football writers, and they ranked the top five jobs. Alabama came out at the top, and... uh, 
Georgia and LSU, I think, were both in the top five as well. And then they go on and talk about the others that received votes. And Kentucky's did not get uh, a vote. And Carolina, then on the, the list, there were close to, to 20 that uh, got votes. Carolina got a couple. Northwestern even got one. No votes for Kentucky. But one of the writers, Andy Staples, in the story, makes the case that Kentucky is the number one job. Uh, so we'll talk with this about uh, uh, talk with that about uh, with Kyle Tucker a little bit later on when when he joins us and Staples' contention is that the bar is not set as high for the Kentucky coach as it is at some of the other places and that's why he he makes the case. Um, so Kentucky is it uh, if nothing else creating a lot of buzz right now with. Uh, I think a lot of the excitement that it's created offensively is what's uh, maybe driving that bus. And Will Levis is at the helm of that bus. And he announced a new website yesterday, levis7.com. You can order some of his merchandise from there and also connect with Will for NIL deals. He's going to donate a portion of proceeds from sales uh, to the Lexington Leadership Foundation. As we mentioned, a big night for Kentucky basketball recruiting, potentially, if Chris Livingston picks the Cats over Georgetown and Tennessee State. Uh, could be another piece of a super recruiting class for John Calipari. We'll get into this with Chris Fisher here in just a moment. Uh, back to football, pro football focus. Has Kentucky ranked number 20 nationally this week? And volleyball, number 8 Kentucky at number 5 U of L tonight. A top 10 volleyball matchup featuring the defending national champion Wildcats. And it is at 7 Eastern time, and if you can't make it there, you can watch on ESPNU. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. News of the day presented by Giuseppe's new climate-controlled patio that they put in during the pandemic, and it has been a tremendous hit. Gives them some extra space. Wonderful place this time of year to sit and enjoy the live music every night and a fantastic meal. Homemade pastas and steaks. Get it all, and you can uh, carry out through their new drive through window if you're not going to uh, stay in the restaurant. Order at Giuseppe'sLexington.com. We'll be right back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we go to the drinksword.com hotline to bring on Chris Fisher from catspaws.com. Chris Livingston making his announcement tonight of where he is going to play college basketball. Do you think he's going to say Kentucky? I do. I, I would label Kentucky as the uh, the prohibitive favorite going into tonight's uh, announcement, and it really marks a return, in my opinion, to the the robber baron days of Kentucky basketball recruiting that we saw in the first half of the John Calipari era. If you just look at the recruiting rankings, there hasn't been that much of a drop-off prior to the 2021 class where they only signed three guys and, you know, really focused on loading up in the transfer portal. They had finished one or two in the recruiting rankings going all the way back to 2009. But if you look at just top five and top ten prospects, there has been a huge uh, drop off in, in recent years. From 2016 to 2021, Kentucky only signed one top five prospect as compared to, uh, to 10 
from 2009 to, to 2015. And so Chris Livingston, along with Shaden Sharp, would give two top five prospects over the last uh, week and uh, obviously building toward a, uh, a monster recruiting class for Kentucky in 2022. And uh, I don't think they're anywhere close to, to being finished. And uh, I think we could see uh, at least one more uh, commitment uh, in the fall going into the early signing period. Who would that be? Uh, I think Casey Wallace uh, is is looking pretty ripe for a uh, Kentucky commitment. He has scheduled uh, an announcement date for November seventh, uh, but he's wrapped up all of his official visits, and it would surprise me to see a, a decision come from him sooner rather than later. Talk about Chris Fisher from uh, Catspaws dot com. So, what changed for Kentucky? You know, I, I think the. Uh, Obviously, the coaching change in the off season, um, you know, kind of shook things up a little bit. And then when you add Orlando Antigua and Chin Coleman, who you know were really the architects of of Illinois' best team in in almost twenty years, and you combine them with a Jay Lucas who uh, was thought of even before coming to Kentucky as one of the best young recruiters in the nation uh top to bottom it gives kentucky one of the most feared recruiting staffs in the country all three of those guys uh really put in the work to develop uh those relationships and i think you're seeing kentucky cast a little bit of a wider net with the younger guys and uh really identifying early in the process who they want and also which guys are eyeing, you know, playing college basketball as opposed to taking one of the various uh, professional routes. And so I really think this offseason has been a home run for John Calipari on so many different fronts, but uh, especially when you look at the, the way he's shaken up his staff and the dividends that it's paid uh, on the recruiting trail, and we're only, you know, six, eight months into uh, into that shakeup. So um, it's definitely been a uh, – a good off season for uh, for John Calipari. Has Cal changed anything about uh, how he is approached recruiting recruiting himself beyond just some, making some changes on the staff? Yeah, you know, I, I think so. I think he's reengaged. I think he's been uh, reinvigorated by uh, you know that humbling nine and sixteen finish. I think he realized that he needed to become a little bit more. Uh, hands-on uh, in the recruiting process as opposed to, you know, allowing the assistants to maybe do most of the legwork and then him coming in to, to close the deal at the end. I think he's uh, become much more uh, hands-on and, and involved in not just the recruiting process but the evaluation uh, process uh, as well. And uh, he just seems a lot more energized. I think you can tell in the various uh, – uh, media interviews that he's done that uh, the energy has has picked back up and and he seems really motivated right now and so uh, Kentucky definitely has it rolling I think on a on a number of different fronts. It's the uh, Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We're talking with Chris Fisher at Chris Fisher twenty four seven on Twitter. Tell us about Livingston's game and uh, if it reminds you of anybody that's played here. Yeah, he's a he's a bigger guy. He's he's six six. He's over two hundred pounds. Uh, we have him as the the number one ranked wing forward in the twenty twenty two class. Uh, far from a finished product physically, he's so advanced and 
can get downhill and bully guys once he gets in the lane. I think he's con- still continuing to develop uh, his outside shot. But when you look at John Calipari's recent comments about playing four guards and you know playing uh, four out on the floor, and you know if if, if you want to be one of those guys, you have to have guard skills. And so I think they've identified Chris Livingston as kind of a uh, small ball four who can. Uh, create and take advantage of mismatches out on the floor. Um, and so I think he would be a good fit with uh, some of the other guys that Kentucky has coming in. I mean, you talk about the one-two punch of Shaden Sharp and Chris Livingston on the wings, uh, Sky Clark running the point, and then if you bring in Cason Wallace at that combo guard slot and then all of a sudden you're waiting on Adem Bona and, and Derek Lively, you get – even one of those guys, and you're talking about, you know, five of the top 20 players in the 2022 class and, and really a class top to bottom that is so, uh, well rounded, um, that, uh, it sets Kentucky up really, really well, uh, going into the spring. And then, you know, if you miss on Derek Lively or whoever else, you can address your needs, uh, in the transfer portal. And so, uh, a really, really tremendous start for, uh, Kentucky in the 2022 class, and just the the overall level of excitement seems to be uh, so much higher. Not just from the recruiting results and the the, the staff turnover, but also uh, you know the the way John Calipari describes how he wants to play going forward is such a departure, I think, from from what we've seen in in recent years. So uh, yeah, the the excitement level from uh, those in and around the program and from the fan base as well seems to be uh, sky high right now. Cal uh, loaded up on transfers for this year, uh, but with this kind of class, do you think it signals that uh, mo- moving forward, his best case scenario for himself is to still load up on the best freshman talent possible and then supplement uh, or you know f- address needs with the transfer portal rather than leaning heavier in the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, when you look back to when John Calipari was first hired, he said famously, you know, they brought me here because I can recruit the best of the best. And uh, I think he wants to continue to do that. And, and we saw a little bit of a, uh, as I mentioned, a drop off there in getting the best of the best in each class. And Brandon Boston was the only top five prospect going back to Scalabissier and, in 2015 and if you're going to play and you are going to win at the highest level of college basketball playing a roster primarily uh consisting of freshmen you have to get the best of the best those those tier two guys oftentimes they leave you in no man's land because they're not quite at the level of of the elite top shelf guys in the class uh and a lot of those guys end up leaving after one year anyways and so um, you see a lot of that roster churn that we've seen from Kentucky in, in recent years. But going out and getting, uh, as we've seen, a John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis and a Michael Kidd Gilchrist, uh, Julius Randle and Andrew Harrison were both top five guys in 2013. Those are the type of guys that can transform your roster and transform your talent level overnight. And so uh, I do think uh, he's going to continue to uh, to recruit those guys. And uh, he said back in the spring, I think the, the 2021 class with the four transfers was a little bit of an outlier. I think he just wanted to get old and get old quickly and uh, really revamp that roster 
uh, with not a, a lot left on the table in that 2021 class, and that was what we saw. But now I think you'll see him revert back to recruiting the, uh, the elite talent in the high school ranks. Working for an entity like Cat's Paws, you know Kentucky fans are great consumers of uh, content about their team. And so they love for Kentucky to be uh, generating a buzz. And it happens with recruiting. It's happening now with football, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. That uh, that atmosphere uh, Saturday night at, at Kroger Field was one of the best uh, that I think we've seen in the Mark Stoops era. That place was buzzing. And, and like you said, it's not just in the stadium. It's, it's in the program. It's around the program. Uh, you can tell that fans are excited. The the offense, I think, has really sparked um, yeah. fan interest as well. I mean, what else could you ask for from uh, the Kentucky offense to this point with the explosive run plays and then still showing that, hey, look, if we need to, to run it down your throat, we can still do that too. And so... Uh, Really, all and you look going back to the you know the Olympic gold medalists over the summer. Really, a lot of good things happening uh, around UK athletics, not just in football and basketball, but but across the board. Thank you, Chris. All right, thanks, Chris Fisher. Catspaws dot com. We'll be right back on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Tweet from a, a listener. Stick with the balanced offense. Talking about football. Week one was explosive. A real football game. Week two looked like the old Kentucky. Too much running the ball with the same players. Look, they're going to, as Stoop says, scratch where it itches. But they will definitely be balanced. This was uh, this was something where the running game was working, but uh, Liam Cohen talked about yesterday at the media session that uh, they they want to be able to do both sides well. I know the fans are pretty excited about the versatility this offense has shown the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Are you excited about it? Yeah, it was nice. I mean, I think last week I sat in here with you guys and said we got to run the ball better. And that was obviously a focal point of, of the week, and you don't go into it thinking you're going to call 50 runs, but, um, you know, like Coach said, scratch where it itches. And I think that, that was something that definitely was nice to see our guys uh, win the line of scrimmage, do it in, in a manner of which it was no contest and it wasn't even close, and that's what you want. You want us to be able to run the football when we want to be able to do it and throw it absolutely when we want to, but also when we need to. And I thought we had a decent balance. I mean, we called 26 passes and only 18 go on the call, so on the stat sheet, but we call it 26. You know, sacks, scrambles, little things like that show up, and we don't end up getting to that kind of 25 to 30 mark is kind of where I like to live in the past game. But, Second half of the Leach Report, coming up with Kyle Tucker. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington, it is the second half of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Kyle Tucker joins us now from the Athletic.com, the Drinksword.com hotline. Kyle, I was just talking about this at the end of a segment with Chris Fisher earlier, that Kentucky fans are great consumers of content. Uh, yours, mine, all the different 
platforms here that uh, cover the Cats, and they love when Kentucky is a is a buzz team, is a team people are talking about nationally in particular, and uh, uh, that frequently happens with basketball. And it's happening with football now. Yeah, it's it's that's good for business. Yes, it is <laughs> for all for all of us in this business when people are uh, when people are excited. Uh, last year was uh, depressing in a lot of ways. Uh, for everybody involved, because you know you, you don't, there's not a whole lot you want to read or listen to about a, a, a program that's struggling. And I've you know a lot. Of, I'm not. This is not original thought to me, but as a person covering teams, you want them. I think all, honestly, fans, fans almost feel this way too. You want them to be either really good or really bad, because those are the only things that are actually interesting. You know, a dumpster fire's got some interest in it too. I mean, I think it's good for business to cover. You know, Tennessee athletics sometimes you know they're they're like this never-ending circus um not because of their success but uh uh, yeah so it's much better when people are excited and um you know people are excited on both ends right i mean it's 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 kind of uh heady times for kentucky but it's not unusual for basketball to be have people excited but it's strange that people are as excited as they are coming off a a nine-win season and now you know football people are dreaming big Nothing excites football fans like a quarterback with a strong arm and players who make big plays. And Kentucky brought in Will Levis and Wondell Robinson, and they're doing those things. You wrote about Levis uh, before the game last Saturday, or maybe I guess it was after the game on Saturday, but uh, what he has, has done and the things in particular with the, the runs and the one that got a first down in the first half where he ran over the best linebacker for Missouri. Um you're reading your story, watching that game. I'm starting to think there's a little Jim McMahon in Will Levis. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, you know, you, you win the hearts and minds when you do stuff like that, especially as a quarterback uh, in particular, just kind of giving yourself up that way. And I would say, too, just in general, the threesome of of him and Chris Rodriguez uh, and Wandale Robinson being your three best offensive weapons and also all three now having already within two games kind of demonstrated themselves uh, as being the guy who will give himself up for the team, uh, who can take a, a beating and pop right up like it's no big deal. I, th- I think there's some of that too. It's not, it, it's not the idea that they're tough. It's the idea that it doesn't even like phase them. You know that Chris Chris Rodriguez is is just destroying people. He had a a, a really maybe I think underrated run the other night where he hit a guy at the sideline and just sent him flying. It wasn't even a stiff arm. It was just like a you know, guy bouncing off a car, um, you know, and Will Levis, you know, running over linebackers and jumping up and, and you know, being demonstrative about it. Uh, and then, obviously, Wondell Robinson taking that huge shot um, over the middle. And, and lay, he, he told us later he was he stayed down for as long as he did because everybody was telling him to stay down. I think they were hoping to earn that uh, targeting flag. But he was like, let me up. You know, I'm fine. Let me up. And he hopped up and... and Jumped, you know, leaped into the air and was waving his arms at the crowd. I mean, that is the kind of thing that when your three best players are tough like that, when they have that sort of attitude, um, one, I think it just feeds feeds into the rest of the team, especially when it's Will. Those guys just want to fall in line with him. You know, with that threesome of guys, that 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 trio of your your star offensive playmakers being these guys that like kind of light everybody on fire uh is is a big deal i think it just i i just really think it is significant 
and and I think it is like the the quickest way to your fans' hearts uh, to you know to show that you're kind of giving it all up for for the team. If uh, and we can get ahead of ourselves here. It's Chattanooga week, so we're not going to break down the game a lot. Um, we can get ahead of ourselves here, which players and coaches uh, shouldn't do usually. But um, anyway, this is a long-winded way to say that if Kentucky gets to four and out of that Florida game, and maybe you'd wait till after they beat the Gators, maybe they reserve a little studio time for an NIL deal to record the Wildcat Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's if they if they. If they can get to five and zero, and having you know having beaten Florida, and here comes LSU to town, and you know, you know, if you want to get way ahead of yourself, I don't think it's totally inconceivable to think of them as six and zero because I don't think Florida and LSU look like they're unbeatable right now. Georgia's the one that remains to me is like, ah, man, I don't know. That's a tough one to see. But if you could get to six and zero going to Georgia, you're basically playing for like a stranglehold on the East at the midway point of the season, or just past it, and. I think the level of excitement around Kentucky football would be, you know, I would say almost at an all-time high. I don't know what oh, yeah. what excitement was like in the Bear Bryant era. I assume people were excited, but uh, Twitter was blowing you know, up certainly in the, for the Bear. Yeah, twi- yeah, yeah, they were <laughs> cats were trending for sure uh, in 1950. But uh, you know, I, I think in the modern era, it would be at an all-time. I think even if you if you just can get to four and zero. And you're hosting Florida, and you know is that a 3:30 Saturday game, a CBS game, or is that a night game? Uh, either way, the hype level is going to be big. And then you beat Florida, and you're hosting LSU the next week. To have back-to-back games like that, if you're if you're still carrying momentum, I just think people are going to be through the roof. And it's important for Kentucky too, because uh, you know this is the thing you face every year. Like it's uh, we're past like, are you just a basketball school type thing? But uh, people are excited again about basketball, and basketball starting soon. starts in the month of October. So if you can get to October and you still have a, a ton of hope, uh, you keep people really engaged. And I think the, the crowd the other night, by the way, was a positive sign for in terms of you know how excited are people about Kentucky football right now. And it, it felt to me like people are pretty excited. There was a huge, there was a huge crowd after the game uh, of people waiting to – to celebrate the players as they came running off the field uh, under the tunnel. That was pretty cool to see as well. Chat with Kyle Tucker on the drinksword.com hotline here on the Leach Report, and we'll continue after this timeout. You can read him, the story we're talking about and uh, some others we're getting ready to talk about at theathletic.com. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Chat with Kyle Tucker on the DrinkSword.com hotline. You can read him at TheAthletic.com. Any subscription specials right now? Yeah, we actually, I think they extended the uh, the 50% off for a few more days. And uh, I'll have a big story on Wandell Robinson coming out tomorrow or the next day. Um, so uh, hopefully people will check that out. And Kentucky probably have some basketball news here tonight. Uh, have have a, a story on that as well. So a lot of stuff going on. Yesterday or day before, I forget which, Peter Burns of the SEC Network uh, did a post on Twitter with his top ten jobs for coaches, and he had Kentucky, uh, I think it was tenth on the list. Uh, I see a story at The Athletic, four of uh, your all's college football writers, 
tackled the story of ranking the top five jobs. And they had Alabama at the top, uh, you know, the schools you would expect, uh, you know, uh, Georgia and LSU was in there, Texas was in there. Uh, also receiving votes, there was Miami and Oregon and Florida State and Penn State and Carolina and even one for Northwestern. No votes for Kentucky, but one of the four writers is Andy Staples. And he then makes the case after they go through ranking the top five jobs that the best job in America, dot, 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 is Kentucky. And he makes the case that because the expectations bar is not set as high for the Kentucky coach as it is at some of those other places, uh, I don't know that uh, I'd put Kentucky at at the top of that list like uh, Andy did, but um, it has certainly become a – Mark Stoops has made it a much better job. Now, the thing about expectations, they will change as you climb up the hill, right? Yeah, and that's that's the thing for me is you know that's sort of almost like a backhanded compliment. Like you got you have a great job because nobody expects much out of you there. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and I don't really like I don't I was saying this on another show uh, yesterday. Like I don't really know that that's even necessarily true anymore because um, you know we know with basketball like once you get to a certain level then the then the expectation level rises as well. Um, you know, I, I covered Virginia Tech for eight years, and every year I covered them, they won ten games. Um, but in 1999, they played for the national title, and they built an empty national championship trophy case after that year, uh, expecting that they would fill it. And every year that they didn't, uh, you would literally hear and see people on radio shows, calling shows, and, and message boards, and you know, in the comments, the story saying. I'm sick of ten win seasons in the Orange Bowl. <laughs> Literally, I'm sick of I'm sick of just winning ten games and going to the Orange Bowl. I want to, you know, I want to win a national title. I mean, it sounds outrageous. If you told Kentucky fans uh, you could win ten games every year, they'd sign up for it tomorrow until they until they didn't anymore, and that would change too. So, you know, I think eight wins like eight wins is you know you could win eight games in, every year and be governor in Kentucky. Um, and at some point, that's not true anymore. And I, I think it's, we're getting to that level a, a little bit now. Not with everybody. I think there's a lot of the fan base that's still very reasonable and, and you know, said, hey, we realize that how hard it is to even win eight games, you know, in the SEC at a program with the historical struggle of Kentucky um, and appreciates when they can do it. Uh, but there's a growing number of people that want to jump up and go nine, ten, challenge, you know, really push Georgia and Florida in the East. Get to Atlanta one day, you know, something well, they've never I've just... done. I was just going to say, I think, and you can see if you agree with this, I think, um, and this is fair or not, I think the uh, expectation for Kentucky to win the East is is closer to, uh, you know, it, it's closer to being an expectation for a good percentage of Kentucky fans than maybe some national people uh, realize. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, I think... You know, and I, I do, again, I think, like, there's always good – everybody has in the back of their mind, like, it's really tough to beat Georgia because Georgia, we know about kind of the blue-chip ratio and all those things that, like, to really be a national power, content, you know, a, a championship contender anymore, you have to meet this threshold of elite-level guys. And Kentucky's just every year bringing in more of those guys. But, but the level it takes to be at that, you know, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson level – it's a whole other stratosphere. And so Georgia's always hanging out there as this, you know, can you get them? But Georgia loses games all the time. I mean, they, you know, they lose a game here or there every year. And I think what Kentucky aspires to is to be the team that gets them one year um, and, and have all the stars align. I don't think anybody 
you know, reasonably right now expects Kentucky to be an annual SEC championship game participant. But I think people believe they ought to be able to get to the level where they can, you know, have what they had uh, in 2018 in, in their 10-win season when they got to November. I mean, it really is a remarkable feat every time I, I think about the fact that they got to November and hosted Georgia in a de facto SEC semifinal. That was a big deal. And if they could do that and get there and break through one year, um, then, I mean, really and truly, Mark Stoops probably could run for governor and, and you know, build the statue because uh, it would be a tremendous feat here. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's putting yourself in that position uh, every once in a while. Not every year. That's not a fair expectation. But, you know, it happened in 2018. Uh, Rich Brooks probably had a shot in 07. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's I think uh, people are expecting it to, to not go from, you know, 07 to 18 for the next one, that it uh, should come somewhere. And it could come this year if things, you know, break right. Yeah, and I think, you know, what Rich was really good at getting, you know, 22 guys who could play with anybody. Uh, but, yeah. but I think what Stoops has done and, and gives you a chance to challenge more consistently, if you look across the board, like, he's got more than 22. He might have 44. You know, he, he might legitimately be too deep now pretty much across the board. And, you know, three deep in some places. And that matters because getting, you know, Kentucky was good enough in 2007 to beat the number one team in the country and not a fake number one. It was a weird year, but that was the team that it went on to win the national championship. And Kentucky beat the national champion that year. Um, but, you know, it takes a lot of wear and tear and a lot of, a lot of you know, guys straining and focusing for 12 weeks in the SEC, and they had some slips that year. You know, I think what gives Kentucky a chance to do it kind of year after year and keep knocking, not not necessarily every year, but more frequently, is that depth that they're, they've stacked to this talent. Um, you know, and now with transfers, I think it gives it's a whole other ball game. Like the transfer thing is really interesting because you end up you can end up with a guy like Wandell and Will Levis, and they jump right in, and they're power five guys that you know can compete, and they can change everything. Um, you know, you might be your one missing piece. What's Kentucky? The one missing piece for Kentucky been for so long? Quarterback. Well, now you plug this guy in, and he looks like day one game changer. Um, you know, what does that do for Kentucky in this pursuit of? Okay, we've assembled this whole team, and we're we're close. You know, they get to these years where they feel like we're close across the board. We're missing this one thing. Well, now they can go recruit that in the transfer market and get a veteran proven guy who's maybe at Ohio State and looking for a shot a la Joe Burrow or Will Levis, um, and plug him in. And now does that give you a chance to do kind of the unthinkable? Think Kentucky gets Chris Livingston tonight? I, I really do. And I think, you know, you're talking about at that point, you've got a, a, a trio in the recruiting class of, of Chris Livingston, Shaden Sharp, who's going to soon, I think, be the unanimous number one player in the class, Livingston, unanimous top five, uh, and Sky Clark. I mean, that, that trio is will be the number one class by itself, and they're not done. You know, they're going to add another top ten player, I would think, in Case and Wallace, and, and they're going to add maybe another top five player um, um, in Derek Lively before this class is over. And this, this, this is very well likely going to end up one of Cal's best classes ever, and that's, that's a, some heady company. Yeah, it is. Uh, that uh, that bar was uh, set pretty high once he got to Kentucky. Uh, Kyle, as always, a pleasure, and uh, we'll look for the Wandale Robinson story coming out next day or two from theathletic.com. Thank you, sir. 
That is Kyle Tucker. He joins us on Wednesdays and some great uh, work at The Athletic. I always tell you that it's a, a great uh, thing to subscribe to, to add to your, your list of uh, sites to check. And the other thing, Mike Pratt and I have done this with friends for Christmas presents uh, or a birthday, is uh, you can gift a subscription and uh, give somebody a chance to sample it for themselves. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Palomar and in Hamburg. You want to eat like a football player? Try the Mad Platter. It's three eggs, bacon, and sausage, home fries or grits, and your choice of bread or a muffin, and a large pancake. That'll get you fueled up for game day this Saturday. We'll be right back to close it out on the Leach Report. The stand Wildcat History, 2007, Kentucky. Beat number nine Louisville forty to thirty four. We're just talking about the 07 season with Kyle. Uh, that was the famous Stevie Got Loose game. Got to be in the top three for loudest moments at uh, Kroger Field. And place actually just felt like it shook just a little bit. Uh, birthdays: Marquise Estel celebrating a birthday today, and uh, Reggie Warford born on this day to. Uh, Former Wildcat greats, Reggie from the NIT championship team in 76, and uh, Queese from that top-ranked 03 Kentucky team. Don't forget the game on Saturday is going to be telecast digitally only. So streaming is the only way you're going to be able to watch this game on ESPN Plus or SEC Network Plus. So you may want to make arrangements to get that lined up ahead of uh, time rather than try to be stressed on game day. But uh, that's for this game. This is the only one this season it'll be this way for Kentucky, but uh, that's sure going to be your only option is streaming. So if you don't do that, certainly tune us in on the UK radio network. We'll start with coverage at 10 a.m. with Christy, Dusty, and Jeremy. But uh, if you uh, watch, if you do uh, get the streaming service, you can turn down the TV sound and turn up the UK radio network as well. All of our guests here on the show come to you from the drinksword.com hotline on the Leach Report. We are done for this Wednesday. Back tomorrow with Mike Pratt, Justin Rowland, and who knows who else. On the Leach Report Radio Network. Have a good day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on The 